Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Welcome everyone to the Boardroom Brain Podcast. I am so thrilled you're joining me today. We have had so many great guests on the show lately and we are continuing with that today. I am thrilled to get to introduce to you Leah Dunmore. Let me tell you a little bit about her. As a mastermind of innovation, Leah Dunmore has managed and scaled growth across a variety of iconic brands such as M&Ms, Windex, Ziploc, and Kraft Cheese. She leads with a people-first approach and has mastered the ability to use consumer insights to drive aggressive results across multiple businesses. She currently leads as CEO of Delica North America, a company bringing in over $100 million in annual sales and a producer of delicious snacks, cooking products, and coffee. She recently relaunched the regional Niagara Chocolates into a national retail and direct-to-consumer brand, which has transformed the brand from double-digit declines to 92% growth year to date. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Those stats, everything you've done, Leah. Wow, we are thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much. And I appreciate the uh, the kind words. Yeah, oh. we've done some great things that uh, the team and I have done some great things with Niagara Chocolates and the whole company, quite frankly. <laughs> Clearly. Well, we are so excited to hear about all of it today. One thing we love to do to kick our show off, I love to read, I love to find out what people are learning about, and our listeners love to as well. So tell us, Leah, is there a book that you read recently, or maybe a podcast episode, anything lately that's really inspiring your work and how you like to live your life? Um, that's a good question. I'm I, I'm usually reading a couple of things at a, at a time, and um, and so recently I've been reading a book on um, leadership. Um, it's called the It's called the New Leadership um, Ninety Day. Believe it or not, it's kind of like the Ninety Day Action Plan. Um, even though I'm well into ninety days, I always like to kind of look at how you should. Um, kind of start over um, with a team, with a new project. And so I've, that's what I've been reading lately. So, Oh, I love it. Okay. We will include that in the show notes. It's always good to 
come at it with that fresh lens, you know, that learner's mindset. So I love that 90 days of leadership. And, you know, one thing that really stood out to me as I, I always like to research our guests before they come on the show is this people first approach you have. And so I want to hear more about what that means to you and, and how you put that into practice at Delica. So I believe that, um, you know, you can do really amazing things on any business if you have, first of all, the the right team. Mm -hmm. um, and second of all, that you have really strong relationships. Um, and I, I, I believe that that comes from building trust. Um, and, you know, what, how do you build trust, right? The best way to build trust is to really spend time with people and encourage them to spend time with each other. So it's not just me and my individual team members, but I encourage, you know, my team members to, to really get to know each other. And, and it's beyond just, you know, at work, it's really get to know the whole person. Yeah. And why I think that's so important is sometimes you're going to be really faced with a lot of stress. Um, and sometimes you're maybe going to have to give somebody negative feedback or, or, or just constructive feedback. And if you've established a really strong working relationship, it, it's usually taken in the right way. It's not, it's not taken in the wrong way. It's, it's no, I know that Leah um, and she wants the best so if she's telling me something that I may not want to hear I'm going to have an open mind because I know that she wouldn't say it to hurt my feelings or you know what I mean so you and 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 I mean even if it's just breaking bread together um, that goes a long way in terms of really building that trust and and if you have that coupled with you know sort of something that a vision that inspires people they really will do anything to move mountains. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what I've learned throughout my career is, you know, that's the, that's the secret sauce is, is, is building a very strong team and a, and a really high performing team, kind of the way we interact. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that, that trust element. I hear that so profoundly for you. And, oh, I have lots of questions to riff off of that with, but one question I have, you know, there's such a debate right now about how we even physically show up at work. Does the hybrid situation work? Does remote work? Do we need to be in person? There's so much debate on this. And for you as a CEO, I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts on that are, you know, how we do build trust. Do you feel like that needs to be done in person? Can we do that remotely? What are your candid thoughts on that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, um, you know, this working for remote, is really the new normal. Um, but I do think that it is very important to have the face-to-face -face time with people. I mean, you know, you, you really can't get to know a person over a video. Like you, 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 you get part of that person, but then when you meet them and you spend time with them, you kind of, it's like 3d, right. You get, you, you really understand the person a lot better. So, um, you know, I encourage the team. So we have something um, at, um, on, in, in Buffalo, which is where we have um, many of our team members, Buffalo, New York. Um, and so I love to give people the freedom of working from home. And I've always been a big believer in working from home because it just, you spend, you can you easily spend two hours a day commuting, which is not a good use of your time. 
but I wanted to really encourage everyone to come together um, on a regular basis. And we started it by having tacos. You know, we, we, we basically had free tacos for everybody. We have this amazing Mexican restaurant across the street. And, and, and so like everyone comes in for taco Tuesdays and cause otherwise, I mean, I've seen companies where they say, you know, you need to come in two days a week, but I've heard a lot of people say they come in two days a week, but there's no one there. Um, you know, so they're kind of like checking the box and that's not really the goal of it. I think the goal is to really, you know, just continue to build those relationships and you can have a very robust um, brainstorm. You can get a lot done in person. Um, so I do think that working remote works, but you need to have a balance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think having these hard and fast rules of you got to be in your seat X amount of days. Yeah, okay. What's, what's the actual follow through on that? Are we actually connecting? So it sounds like for you, there's such intentionality with it. You're building community around it and really building those people connections. So I love that. Uh, and hopefully that's something we'll continue to see more of in 2023. Um, you know, so much of this show, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. So much of this show is talking about how we can make workplaces more mentally healthy, more mentally safe, you know, where people feel really supported in the works workplace. And I'm wondering, you know, as CEO, how are you creating a mentally healthy workplace at Delica? Um, how are you helping create that for your employees? I'd love to hear more on that. Sure. I think that that's very important. Um, it's a really good question. And, you know, I think the what I try to do, which um, I think makes people feel secure, is I'm really candid and transparent um, about whatever we face. And, um, and I let them know, you know, this is probably, I don't know that I should be sharing this, but this is what, what I know and that what I'm carrying on my shoulders. And, and, you know, if the, if you're on my team, then I trust you, right? And so I um, I am very transparent of what's, what's going on and what I'm thinking. Um, and I think um, also giving people feedback, because um, a lot of times people are, are um, I guess they're insecure or uncomfortable because they don't know where they stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and And part of that comes from a lot of people have, are non-confrontational, not to say that feedback has to be confrontational, but they'd, they'd rather avoid giving feedback. Um, and so I try and give feedback actually when I, whenever I see it, right. Yeah. It may not be in that moment because it may not be appropriate, but I act on it and I don't keep it inside. And so people always know where they stand uh, with me. Um, and I encourage you know, my direct reports to do the same with their team. And, and so we just, we have a very transparent environment and, and it's, uh, it, it starts from me just being open and honest with them in terms of what's going on, but then also giving ongoing feedback on a regular basis. So no one's guessing. Oh, I love that. I think that transparency is so huge. And I completely agree with you. I see feedback as being something on both sides of the equation that people get really squeamish about. For people listening to the podcast today who are in a role of giving feedback, and we all are, you know, no matter what title we have at a company, even in our personal lives, 
inevitably we we can and should give feedback to friends to loved ones it sounds like this is something you've developed some expertise with what advice do you have to help people give feedback uh how do you think we can do that in an effective way well you know going back to my earlier point about building trust um I think that that goes a long way um, in making it a lot easier, right? So building, spending time with people and really getting to know them because no, no one person is the same, you know, and certain people like to be dealt with in different ways. And if you take the time to get to know people, then you'll, you'll know what makes them uncomfortable and what makes them more comfortable you know is it better that i you know give you feedback in the you know in a meeting well some people are comfortable with that you know they're extroverts and you know they think out loud and it works for them other people are like oh that's that's devastating for you to give me feedback in front of other people Mm -hmm. but without really knowing that person um, and taking the time to to understand what makes them tick then you won't know that and then the second thing is is that again, building that trust so that they understand um, that even if you deliver it um, sloppy or, you know, it's not perfect, it's not eloquent, they know that it's coming from a good place. Yes. Because you've taken the time to build a relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like family, you know, Uh, you can, you know, you don't really think that much about giving somebody your, your best friend or your, your partner, um, you know, feedback because because you know them, and even if you fumble your words, they're going to understand, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, yes, absolutely. And and on the flip side of that, we had a guest on the show yesterday. Actually, uh, everybody listened to Jenny Blumenthal's episode. She was talking a lot about how she's been noticing more and more people reporting that they feel psychologically unsafe in the workplace, that they're afraid that if they give feedback as an employee, they're they're really going to either get shot down or they're going to suffer negative, serious consequences. And I see that with a lot with my clients too, where they're miserable, they're frustrated. And I say, well, can we give some constructive feedback to the team about this or to your boss? And almost always the answer is like, oh, God, no, like, I can't say anything. I just have to suffer silently through this. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on folks who are on the other side of the table who they want to give feedback, but they feel like they're not in that position of power to be able to do so. What do you think for those folks who may be grappling with how to give feedback? You know, um, I think that um, it's one of the things that I do often is because there are there are a lot of people who are just in general more introverted and they're less comfortable expressing their ideas even if it's not feedback Mm -hmm. um but but sometimes they have some of the best thoughts the most insightful thoughts in the whole company right and so i really try and create a platform for them to um, be comfortable expressing their ideas, even if it's just me asking and they, and they, they come to know it. Like, you know, we were talking about, you know, some of the new products that we we're launching on Niagara chocolates and in a, in a brainstorm session. And, um, you know, I felt like we were all sort of gravitating towards, you know, a few ideas and there were a couple people that were quiet. And so I, I reached out and I'm like, you know, what do you think, John, you know, and, you know, tell me if we're, you know, we're, we're all sort of 
in love with our own ideas here and that there we're, we're maybe missing some big idea. And, mm -hmm. um, and so those, that's how I do it. That's is by, by asking people what their opinion is and also making it known that that's what I do. Right. So they know that when we're in a conversation and I'm, I really am valuing their opinion. That's the other thing is you, you need to make sure that they know that you value their input. You may not necessarily take the advice, but you can't just ask them a question and, and then just sort of like move on, um, you know, sort of like a token gesture. Um, you need to really listen um, and show that you're listening. Um, and so even if you don't agree with it, um, and that's, I, I ramble on a lot there, but I think at the end of the day is that you really have to have great listening skills and show that so that people um, feel heard. Mm -hmm. And if they feel heard, then they'll be more willing to express their idea, give feedback. The other thing as you know, I always ask people, listen, give me feedback. Like, have you heard anything? You know, have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? Are there any complaints? Like, I think, you know, I'm giving them feedback on an ongoing basis. So I'm encouraging them to give me feedback. And I'm hoping that they're doing that with their, their direct reports. Because, you know, and I say this, like, all the time, feedback is, is a gift. Yes. Because you can walk around not having a clue about what you're doing. And you may not have an intention of doing what you're doing. And if somebody, it's a blind spot for you. And so if no one tells you, um, then you walk around. I mean, this is a funny example. Like, you know, the other day I was, we, I was in a meeting where person, you know, it was a face-to-face -face meeting and we were, it was, we, we ate through lunch and, and I had a big piece of lettuce on my tooth and like <laughs> three people said to me, you know, and I had no idea. And so, but they told me immediately. And I, you know, I was like, that's kind of like feedback, right? It's like, that was a gift. I mean, otherwise I would have been, I would have been walking around all day with a big green thing on my teeth, you know? So that's my analogy. I was thinking the exact same one, you know, and yet it's amazing, right? So many people, <laughs> we don't want to say something and yet we want to know. So, uh, oh, I love, I didn't think that was a ramble at all. I was soaking up every bit of what you were saying there. And hopefully that's something, you know, for people who listen to the show that are in a role of leadership, ask for that feedback, invite it and know that, you know, teach people that it's psychologically safe for them to do so, that it's valued and not something punishable. You know, I think that's something that hopefully we'll really see as a change moving forward. Uh, I want to shift gears here a little bit because my gosh, you have some amazing stats. I mean, hearing about my acrid chocolates, uh, coming back from the company the where it was being double-digit declines to 92% growth year-to-date, that's outstanding. Clearly, you've got the magic recipe here. I don't know if it's motivation or strategy or what it is. Tell us a little bit about what happened inside your brain here that you were able to help you and the team get to this huge, huge stride. Yeah, thank you for asking. I'm so um, really excited to tell the story because it was kind of like a dream come true, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it was a little scary because the business was, um, you know, in a downfall and there were a lot of issues, not just the sales, like operationally there were issues. Delica came to me, hired me, Migros, um, and said and recognized that I, I've been in the market for a long time. I know the U.S. market. 
the person who was running the business for before was not from the U.S. They were from Switzerland um, and they didn't really have a marketing kind of sales background. They were more of a finance person. So they said, listen, we're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to give you a blank sheet of paper and we want you to tell us, you know, what we should do with this business. If you say sell it all, we'll sell it all. If you say build a brand, we'll do it. And so, so that was like a dream come true, right? So, and I was so well prepared for that. I mean, because I've been doing that my whole career um, and then backed by, you know, a very large Swiss conglomerate. So, you know, it's kind of like starting your own business, but not having to take, you know, the risk <laughs> on. Um, so, uh, although there was obviously certain risk, but not financial risk. Um, and, um, so, so that was amazing. And, you know, I, I, I did, a, I spent a lot of time listening to people throughout the organization on, you know, what do we do? Well, you know, what should we get rid of? You know, so just really, I mean, the first like 90 days I spent just really digging into people, getting to know them, getting to know what they thought about the company. And, um, and I always do this when I first start a job, like, two or three weeks in, I kind of like just kind of map out what I think the strategy should be, even though I don't have enough information to really build a strategy. Sometimes your, your gut instincts and, and your experience, you kind of have the answers, right? Uh, but you don't, you're too soon for you to really have those answers. So I, I did that. And, and then I took, all the information that I gathered over 90 days and pulled it together and created a strategy, presented it to Migros. They thought it was great. And, and that's, you know, what we did. And one of the things that was really exciting about that is that I think part of it is like, I'm going to, I'm going to say um, 20% of a strategy is actually the strategy and mm -hmm. 80% is the execution of actually making it happen. And um, so, you know, it may not be, you know, a perfectly brilliant strategy because sometimes you can overthink the strategy. Um, and, and nine times out of 10, that initial thought that you had early on is probably right. Mm. But the thing that I really locked onto was where I saw people, where I saw their eyes light up, you know, what they were really passionate about. And and that is really what I, I, I kind of locked on to. And we had all these brands. And, um, and so they all seem to be like going in the wrong direction in terms of what consumers want, you know, like just, you know, in the artificial flavors and colors and, you know, anyway, but we had this brand that was local and everyone in, in Buffalo grew up selling this um, as a fundraising brand to raise money for their schools and their organizations. And, and so they felt they grew up with the brand and there were a lot of people in the company that grew up in the brand, but it was all local. And what I saw was like a product that was amazing, tasted great. It was all clean label mm -hmm. and it just needed a little bit of rework to kind of make it, it kind of reminded me of like a craft beer, ah. but chocolate. Right. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this would be great for millennials. Like, and it had like peanut butter and, you know, toffee and all these different things that were handcrafted in the plant. And I was like, this is such an amazing story. And this is also what all the employees are passionate about. 
So I was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take this brand and we're going to launch it. We're going to, it's going to, we're going to take it from being a regional brand to a national brand. And it's going to be more than a fundraising brand. It still is a fundraising brand. Um, but it's going to be, we're going to see it in Walmart. We're going to see it in public. We're going to see it in Kroger. And people were so inspired by that vision. It was kind of like, is she crazy? But how cool would that be? And, and literally people just move mountains because they were number one, we built trust. And number two, we had a vision that they were excited and inspired. Um, And then we got rid of, focus on 10 different things. We've got everyone focused on priority and, and they move mountains to make it work. And, you know, now we're in Publix, we're in HEB, we're in Raley's, we're in Albertson Safeway. Um, and, um, and so we've got this amazing line of, you know, chocolate clusters and cups um, and bars um, that you really have to try. I, I'm so proud of it. It's it's amazing chocolate. It's hand, we make our own peanut butter. It's it's just it's lovely. You've sold me on it. I really want <laughs> your chocolate now, and I think everybody's gonna want some after that. I mean, and it, it's funny, you know, in the research I was doing for the show, I'm like, let me research Niagara chocolate. I saw so many YouTube videos of people like trying it out and taste testing it and loving it, and so. What I hear from this too, Leah, you have such an ability to inspire and to to get people to want to move mountains. I mean, gosh, I heard a one minute story about how you made this all happen. And I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. So <laughs> I have no doubt you bring this to your team too. And, you know, so much of the show, we talk about the psychology behind someone's success. We have so many amazing people on the show, you included. You had everybody go and look at Leah's LinkedIn profile. I mean, it's amazing. You've had an incredible career as the vice president of Campbell Soup Company, marketing director of M&M's. You know, what do you feel like is the secret to your success with everything that you've done and and how it's brought you here to this moment? Oh, well, thank you um, for the kind words. And, you know, I I think that, um, let's see, it's, well, one thing that you just saw, which is I, I tend to be very passionate mm-hmm. about whatever I do. And, you know, and I, and I, I make sure that I'm doing something that I can be passionate about, mm-hmm. um, something that aligns with my values and something that I feel that I can add value to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I think that if you're genuinely passionate about something, um, you know, it sometimes can be very contagious. Um you know, and, you know, the, the other thing is I've, I've just always been myself. Like I always, my authentic self, I bring who you see in the office is exactly who you see at home with slippers on in, you know what I mean? In my, with my family, I, I am that. who I am. I love that. And yeah. I think, you know, if you can be yourself, um, you are going to achieve a lot more than if you feel like you have to fit a mold um, and you're going to limit yourself. And so I, I give that advice to people. It's like, you know, you need to make sure that wherever you go from a company standpoint or job or starting your own places, it's, you know, it, it has to be a place where you can be yourself mm-hmm. um, and you don't have to think twice about it. Otherwise you're going to be, you're going to be half of your energy is going to be consumed in trying to be, you know, that blue suit, you know what I mean? That may not be you. So 
Um, and even though, you know, not to say that, like, listen, I've, I've worked for some pretty conservative companies throughout my career, like blue suit companies. I'm myself, I'm myself in those companies. So it doesn't mean that, that the people have to look and act like you, but you have to be comfortable with being yourself in that environment. Yes. Own who you are. I mean, for people listening to the show today, just so you all know, I'm in a bright pink dress and Leah's in a bright pink top. So <laughs> no blue suits for us today. Not knocking. But yeah, you got to step into who you are. And, you know, I love that you bring up this idea of passion. And, and in some ways, I find it to be a debatable word because I work with a lot of millennials, a lot of Gen Zs, and they grow up hearing, find your passion, find your passion. I think for some people, it comes easily of like, this is what it is for me. Other people have a really hard time finding their passion. And I would argue some people might say, like, I'm not sure I'm really passionate about anything. Like, I, I have trouble finding it. And so what do you think, this idea of passion, how can people find either, one, what they're passionate about, or two, maybe if it's not passion for you, maybe it's another kind of purpose. How can we help people find more of that if they're struggling to really hone in on something? Yeah, I think that's a really important question um, because, um, you know, first of all, I don't think that there's one thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, 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 you can't overthink it, right? I, I really believe that. And, and you will find your way mm -hmm. over your career, right? You know, you'll, you'll gravitate towards it. You kind of have to go with your, with your gut and it may not be the right thing at the time, but it will lead you to something great, you know, like you have to believe that. And, and so it, in the moment, it, I'm like, I don't, I'm not saying you should do something that you hate, but you kind of have to find something about what you're doing that you like, and that you can be excited about, but it doesn't have to be that one thing. Do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, don't overthink it. Um, and, um, you know, like I've, I've, I've had a lot of jobs throughout my, my career journey. And, you know, my first job out of college was um, I would I was a sales rep for um, for Nestle. Mm -hmm. I always come back to confections for some reason. So that so and, I, and that was not in, on purpose, but um, chocolate, too. But um, and so like I never thought of myself as being a salesperson. And and um, but the thing that that I liked about it was that it was a great company name. They had great products and they gave me sort of exposure to all um, different, um, all, all functions within the company. So it was like a management trainee program and then you went out and sold. And I literally took that job and was excited about because of that, because I would get to experience, you know, time with supply chain and marketing and sales and, and, um, and figure out what I wanted to do because I really didn't know. I was a psychology major in undergrad. I was planning to be a physician. Um, I ended up saying, okay, I don't think this is for me, but like, I think I'll just go with this. And, and I found my way when, during that very first stint, I, I kind of liked doing a little bit of everything. Like that's what excites me is like brand management is is kind of, you know, one day you're talking to the production facility, trying to figure out how to save, you know, um, money on the line. And the next day you're working with your advertising agency and the next day you're coaching a team. So it's like, I kind of, I kind of like the idea of doing many different things. And I saw that when I spent time with the 
brand management people um, on this management trainee thing. And that and I stuck in my mind and I just kind of worked towards that. And I kept trying to, you know, find that kind of balance of doing multiple things as opposed to going really deep in one area. Um, so anyway, mm. that's how. That's great advice that for somebody who is feeling like, oh, I have no idea what to do next, looking for a position where you do get to kind of sample a lot of different things, taste test, if you will, to see what really resonates. Amazing. Great advice. Uh, Thank you. Wow. You, you've had so many experiences. I think it's just so cool. I mean, the the Leah I'm sitting to talking to now, could she have ever foreseen everything that was going to happen when she was 20, 25? Like, what do you think looking back on this whole career you've had so far? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I had no clue when I was 20 or 25, you know, and, and I think that I was fortunate in, um, you know, in my journey of having great mentors and working for some really amazing companies that had strong values that sort of help shape who I am. Um, and so that is another important thing, you know, like I work for a lot of privately held companies. I've worked for both publicly traded private and privately held kind of family owned companies like SC Johnson is family owned. Mars is family owned. Uh, Migros, Migros is not family owned. It's owned by the Swiss people, but it's privately held. And I realized that, you know, working for a, a privately held company is different than publicly traded, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, and not, I'm not putting down publicly traded companies. It's just a different emphasis. Mm -hmm. When you're working for the Johnson family, they want you, they want to make sure that you're going to have a Windex for their kids, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and their kids. And so they're encouraging you and shaping you to think longer term and think strategically um, and sort of, and really care about the business. Like put you, I mean, like, like it's your own business yes. and, um, and it's cause it's not about the quarter it's yes, it is about making profits, but it's, it's, it's about doing better for the business mm -hmm. and also um, doing better for the world um, the environment, you know, it's, it's much bigger. And so that's where I kind of spent a lot of my time in my early career. Um, and that's how I was, that's how I wired now. And, um, and I think it guides how I think and, and how I manage. Um, so getting with the right company early on was, was a really, a, a really wonderful thing. And, um, and I had no idea that I was going to be a CEO, uh, or even wanted to be a CEO, quite frankly. And you know, that's that's one thing that I um, is very different between men and women. Sometimes, not always, but like when people would ask the question, like, "What do you want to? What do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to be?" You know, early on in my career, I was like, "I, you know, I want to, you know, get to the next position." I wasn't thinking like I didn't have like a five-year, ten-year sort of plan for myself. And some of my male counterparts were like. I want to be a CEO or I want to be, you know, um, an entrepreneur or I want to be a CMO. And, and, um, and so I, and I was like, wow, I, I just didn't think that way. I just wasn't wired to think that way. But what I ended up doing because of the environment that I was, was I, I said, you know what, I'm just going to pick something, mm -hmm. you know, and I may not necessarily want to do that, but I'm just going to pick it and I'm going to work towards it because 
it's kind of like what they expect, right? And so I picked CEO pretty early on. I, I, I said president, I didn't say CEO, I wanna be a president. And um, because we used to do these five minute kind of, what do you, you know, what's your career plan in front of the, the president of the company? And so you sort of had to have a short term and a long term. And so you needed to have something. And mm-hmm. so I just picked it, I kind of made it up. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I realized I kind of picked the, the right thing early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, you know, so yeah, but I hadn't, I didn't really have an idea. I sort of picked it because I needed to pick it. And that seemed like the, a logical choice. Mm, well, and you did and you made it happen. And here it is, you know, it's yes, absolutely incredible. And one question we always like to ask guests on our show, because here you are the CEO, you're managing so much. How do you still maintain your own personal well being? Do you have any personal practices that you do with exercise, reading, mindfulness, any kind of thing of wellness that you incorporate in your day to day life? Absolutely. And I wish I had discovered this earlier in my um, in my life. But one of the things that I've been doing on a daily basis, sometimes multiple times in a day is I meditate. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I use it's a guided meditation. And and it really helps to clear my mind. And, um, you know, just it, it's just a, a look at yourself you know, from the inside out. And it sometimes gives me um, just much better clarity about what I need to do. And so I love that. Um, I also have an amazing dog, um, Louie. He's a black lab and he's lovely. He's right here. Um, and he is, um, he's a little spoiled now from working from home because so, he's at my feet every single day. I don't know what, if I have to go back into the office on a daily basis, I don't know how he'll, I'll have to bring him with me. But, yeah. but anyway, yeah. So, so we walk um, and, you know, we take long walks. Um, I also play tennis. Um, so I think it's important that you have something that you're passionate about, like that is not work, mm-hmm. um, you know, some hobby. And I, I started playing tennis um you know, after my, my son was born really just to lose some of the baby fat, but then I fell in love with it and I was pretty good at it. And so, um, so yeah, I play two, three times a week. Um, sometimes I play on a league competitively and, you know, that's just something that, um, I really love and I won't ever give up. So. Oh, I love that. You and I both with the tennis, you're in. Oh, you're a tennis. Oh yeah, I love tennis, but um, but you know, we moved to the Pasadena area a few years ago during the pandemic, and I just never found a good new home court. So now you're you're giving me motivation and passion to pick the racket back up. So yes, absolutely. Oh, most but- of my most of my friends are my tennis people, like they're you know, like because okay. I spend so much time, and so it's 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 not only good physical activity, but it's, it's um, a social network as well. So it's nice. hundred percent. Well, my goodness, I could talk to you so long, Leah, but, but the last question I want to ask you before we wrap things up and tell people more about where they can get in touch with you and all that good stuff. I love finishing the show, asking this with all of our guests, Leah, what do you hope your legacy is going to be? I, um, I hope to make people that I am around, that I influence, whether it's, you know, my children, people that I work with that work for me, 
I want to inspire greatness in them. I, I, I want to, I want them to do things that are outside of their comfort zone that surprises them that they accomplish something that they didn't necessarily think that they even wanted to do um, or could do. Um, at, at the end of the day, I want to, I want to know that I've helped people feel better and, and do better um, in all aspects of their life. Mm, so beautifully said. And my goodness, I think you are inspiring greatness and you're living out. Talk about practicing what you preach. Like you didn't necessarily see yourself as a CEO. You named that, put it in the universe and you made it happen. So talk about inspiring greatness. You're living out greatness. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so easy to talk to. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we love doing the podcast. It's a blast for us. I love these conversations. They're life-giving for me. Um, so this has been such a fun one today, Leah. And tell us where people can get in touch with you if you're open to that, like via LinkedIn, or tell people too how they can hear more about Niagara Chocolates and what's on the radar there. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. That's, that's probably the best way to reach me. Um, and in terms of Niagara chocolates, check out niagarachocolates.com. Um, and look for us. I mean, we're, we're popping up everywhere. Um, I just saw, I was in New York airport and I was walking, I was pleasantly surprised to see us in the airport store. Uh, I mean, a couple of the airport stores. So, you know, keep an eye out for the brand and um and you know try some of our great new flavors awesome well leah thank you so much for being on the show we wish you wellness and all things thank you so much it was very nice talking to you lauren thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the boardroom brain podcast Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains, both in the boardroom and beyond.